in this special edition, this spoiler edition, wrapping up season five of podcast of the crown, we are asking one question and one alone. Why is Charles so, so vain, vain and unsad? <laughs> Knew that was coming. Welcome to Podcast a Little Bit as our own country where we are based out of the United States raises its middle finger to the monarchy by having our president perform a constitutional obligation. We podcast to you about our favorite leaders currently. That is uh, the wonderful King Charles and his mother, the former Queen Elizabeth, who will always be our favorite queen the only queen that we've known, really. At any rate, we're talking about the season finale of season five of The Crown. There are no more episodes to talk about after this one. I will be having a special musical podcast covering the last four episodes of The Crown coming out in a few weeks. That'll give you a chance to get some feedback in as well. But we have a lot on the plate for this time around, despite only having one episode to talk about. So with this we are talking about season five episode 10 decommissioned written by peter morgan directed by alex gabasi and i want to hear our panelists ratings for this singular episode you can put it in the context of did it work as a finale if you wish or whatever you want susan let's begin with you do you have a rating for this episode Sure, Matt. Um, I'm going to give it a six. It was uh, overall not one that I was terribly interested in. It felt like it was primarily setting up things for next year, you know, for the final season. And I'm going to say it was double eyes for impending implosions. Eyes. Wow. Nice. Love it. Baba, how about you? Well, I'm going to be the anti-Susan, and I'm going to give this episode nine out of ten double Ds. Wow. Double Ds. Well, double Ds is what I give an episode where I have to give out doty deductions. I have been harping on this for so long. Episode three, we completely sidetracked to meet Mumu and his son, Dodie. And guess what? They really had almost nothing to do with this season. I mean, really, the bare minimum to do this season, yet they got an entire episode. And then here at the end, we're spending time with them. When Once again, they're not having any important uh, actions on this specific episode. To me, their impact on the season is kind of equal to the 30-year-old PR guy, but he didn't get a spotlight episode. I know the history. And <laughs> People who've listened to this podcast are laughing. Bubba claims he knows history. This has got to be a joke. But I'm saying I do know that Mumu and Dodie are going to play a big role in Diana's life moving forward past this point. But to this point in the story, they really didn't have anything to do. So let me get that. I've gotten that Dodie deduction out of the way. So it loses a point for that. Otherwise, this season was the story of, dare I say it, what Charles keeps talking about, a modern monarchy with all the, with all the, pitfalls and problems of a modern world affecting the monarchy. I thought it was good. I thought it was strong. I thought it was a natural place to end. The metaphors were strong. The season was strong. The boat, not so strong. 
That's my thoughts, Matt. That's my thought, Susan. I'm sorry you didn't like it. I happen to like it. That's my rating, Matt. All right. Well, uh, first of all, if you recall, when when we did our first episode together this season, we did episodes one through three, I told you that, or I hinted at the fact that a lot of the setup in these first three episodes seemed to be more for season six than for season five. And that's exactly what I was talking about was Mumu and Dodie. So uh, I didn't want to stray you too far there because you were so down on it then. I was hoping that this might give it a little bit of a savior for you uh, this time around, but you still rated it higher than me and I can't give anything below a seven. So I gave it 8.5 out of 10, what I like to call double S's. Wait, double S's? Yeah, sponsored ships. I mean, I still enjoyed this season. I still very much enjoyed this episode um but to me it just felt like oh here's another set of things that happen before Dodie and diana get together and we know that from history that that that's what will happen um so to me it just felt like a transition uh you, you throw all of the boat metaphor out of the way uh, you know, the queen is the boat. Is is she still fit? Does she need to be decommissioned? Um, that they started the season with, they ended the season with. Totally cool with that, except for the fact that it makes the timelines cross <laughs> because the boat wasn't decommissioned until December of that year. Uh, yet the Hong Kong thing was in, in July. And of course, we all know historically that the thing with Diana happens in between those two. So it was fine. Oh. This is a this is a, a dramatic tell, retelling of the history, Matt. You and your stickler for I it. am a stickler for the history stuff. I totally am, Bubba. I can't help it. That's that's the one thing that I cannot ever get away with. I tried most of this season just to say, okay, here's how it actually happened in our history notes section. But this time around, it, it just because it was so important to wrap up this season, and I feel like you know land on good feet because i don't think that this season was as strong as prior seasons we can talk more about that in the in the future here of this podcast but nonetheless it was still worth an 8.5 out of 10 for me a reminder we do want to hear what you think even though we're having our contest tonight where we're going to give away a whole bunch of things a whole bunch of things we're going to give away and susan and bubba are going to have special jobs because we have four things to give away we have the crown uh, official companion volumes one and two we have the vogue uh, or the crown in vogue we have dissecting the crown so those are four different things i don't know bubba you are waving around some magazine last week or were, are you giving that away or are you just showing it it was a christmas present so i feel terrible giving it away but it is this cool kind of life uh retrospective life magazine retrospective on the crown and so I'll happily give this to anybody who wants it. It's a real fun thing that you can find a lot online, but it's the compare and contrast the show with images from real life. I think it's fun. Really, we're just trying to tempt all these wonderful listeners to write in and join with us for some tea and crumpets as we discuss this great show. We do have some participants and we will be drawing those names. We now have five, 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 five things to give away which is wonderful and we'll be drawing an alternate as well in case somebody decides that they don't want to get us their information however uh this also means something nice for me i just got a gift because now instead of doing 100 of the shipping i will only have to do 80 percent of the shipping um so i'm rooting for international winners 
rooting for international winners, especially of that magazine. Let's get into our 64 second recap of this episode. It's back to the ship monarchy metaphor as Diana discovers redial to vote for no monarchy. As Elizabeth celebrates her 71st birthday, the program vote is discussed by a concerned Charles as well as the inevitability of Tony Blair as the next prime minister and Hong Kong returning to China, where Charles will represent the monarchy using business class arrangements. While Charles sets Mark Boland to arrange a meeting with a new prime minister, Elizabeth gives a more than usual sentimental goodbye to the old one, and John Major offers advice and a gift to Tony Blair on his party. Blair offers a new yacht to the Queen so long as it's sponsored, but she refuses and seals Britannia's decommissioned fate. Meanwhile, Mumu is not impressed with Dodie's choices of homes nor girlfriends, and when he sees Diana at a ballet, he invites her to a dinner and then on vacation with him and his wife, and Diana agrees to think about it. Charles gives a speech in Hong Kong and meets with Blair to discuss not just new government, but new monarchy. But as Charles takes the last official trip on Britannia with Camilla, the Prime Minister confesses to his wife about feeling sorry for Charles. When Charles returns, Elizabeth is displeased with his changes to the Hong Kong speech and with Charles and Camilla's relationship. After they argue about that and the future of the monarchy, Elizabeth bids a final farewell to Britannia. Now, I mentioned before we did this that we're going to have special jobs for Bubba and Susan. Uh, The first special job is for Bubba that at any point during this podcast, you can say, stop, we're going to do a drawing or we're going to do a, a spinning of the wheel for a contestant at any point which means it'll likely happen when I'm trying to make a point. He will definitely stop me then because he doesn't care about my points. Uh, Susan's special job will be to pick which of these things we will be giving away before we run the wheel and get a winner. So Susan, you got that? You got five things that you can do the magazine, one of the crown official companions, the crown dissected or the crown in vogue. You will have to choose one of those as we go. Okay. And my job will be to write down who wins. And, uh, <laughs> Is there a list of this somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I'll have to write down who wins the uh, who wins the, what. So uh, just so I can keep track, because the only way that I can make this work is if I put these names on a wheel and then eliminate the name uh, that was there before, because I, I can't keep things track straight in my mind. And I don't want to roll dice the same way that Catfish does. Speaking of wheels. We have a wheel of topics. Let's spin it. Whoa, look at that, Matt. It has come up on an article that Susan has provided us from L.com. Susan, before I dive into it, do you want to talk to everybody what this article points out about the past of the crown and the people they play in real life? Yeah, I just, uh, when I was doing my extra reading over the weeks as we were doing these, and, you know, there are hundreds, if not thousands of articles related to this show, and I particularly liked this one and just uh, sent it to Matt as a reference because it was kind of similar to Your Life magazine. It was side-by-side pictures of the actor's versus the people that they played in real life. And it went through not just the folks in this season, but, you know, going back to, you know, we've had three actresses play Queen Elizabeth now. And the photos that they had next to the actress was of her, you know, from that relatively time, the time period that uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth was, when, you know, that the actress was playing against. So, I thought that they did an excellent job of putting them together, often with photos of them in the same outfits, because the crown did an excellent job of 
copying for costumes many uh, exact replicas of outfits that these individuals wore in real life. And I just thought it was a wonderful example where you could look and see how good the casting and the costuming was and uh, do this comparison. And it, it was it was just a nice thing that people might want to check out. Susie knows more than you do. Susan, if you don't mind me saying, when I look at this cast, and this goes back to season one, when I look at the cast and the actors portraying them, a lot of times I don't think the uh, physical resemblance is too well. I want to say the very first Prince Charles we had, I thought it was a relatively good look. I think in this season, season five, Olivia Williams does a really good job getting as close to the Camilla Parker Bowles look as you could. But looking at these articles, looking in these photos, this character doesn't appear much in the show. But for me, the closest match on, oh boy, this person really does kind of look like the character they're portraying, is the actor James Murray, who portrays Prince Andrew. Again, Prince Andrew isn't in this season of The Crown very much, but this actor, I think, really does have a strong resemblance to Prince Andrew at that time. So I think that's that's my favorite casting so far. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, it is, um, you know, for instance, Prince Charles, it did seem like uh, Dominic West didn't seem like he resembled him that much. But when you look at the photos of them side by side, you can see where there's, you know, a bit of similarity to draw from there. And I guess, you know, I'm sure with costuming and makeup and so forth, they, you know, accentuized, you know, any details in that uh, perspective. But uh, yeah. One of the things that I found most interesting, it wasn't so much about how they looked in comparison with the cast, you know, with the real life characters or anything, but uh, just something that I've noticed throughout the course of the show, and I'm sure everybody else has too, so it's not some kind of stupendous observation or anything, but when they have moments that you can find on film, archived, you know, via real archives or via YouTube or whatever, they take a great amount of care to recreate those moments exactly as they looked on that film. You think of uh, just the recollections of King uh, King George's coronation from back in season one and that, that picture there, or King George's funeral, or anything that they have that they can reproduce. Even uh, in the beginning of season four, when uh, Claire Foy returned to do that little opening scene with the monologue you look at pictures of her doing that press or or doing that speech and there's so many similarities and and the clothing is also great i love that but i just absolutely love the way that which is what makes some of the historical realignment so frustrating for me because they do everything else so accurately it's just like can't you find a way to make these stories work with the way that they actually happened and i understand dramatically that's pretty hard so i'm not like knocking them down too much for it it just it's one of those things that when i see so much achieved then i always think to myself wow and yet (laughs) and so that's just what happens to me Matt, you say you understand, and yet you always complain about it. So I'm not sure you understand. Well, oh, no, I totally understand. But that understanding something and liking something are two totally different things, Bubba. Mm, we'll see. Listeners, <laughs> write in. You could win a prize. <laughs> <laughs>
Matt, do you have a, a character or, that you think, or, or an actor, I should yeah. say, that who, who looks very close to, in your the, opinion, the, the original? The look doesn't bother me. It's the way that they say Well, I'm it. saying it I don't care if it me. bothers you. I'm saying which which one do you think looks the closest? Which one? I'm going to go with something completely different, and I'm going to say it's the way that they sound and the way that they inflect. And I think that all three, Amalda Stelton, Olivia Coleman, and Claire Foy, have done, oh, so well that I don't need anything about looks or anything. I just instantly know that it's the queen. Oh. So uh, that's all that I need. Um, so that would be my favorite. Those are my three favorite castings. Well, you know, the way you just said it, I thought, boy, that was pretty close. You're right up there with Olivia Coleman, Matt. That was pretty good with your oh. <laughs> There you go. All right. Uh, what's the other article that you have here, Susan, that you were going to talk about from the Daily Mail? Yeah, um, this one, and I recognize that the Daily Mail is kind of uh, the National Enquirer of the UK. Right, right, right. So, you know, we're getting into that whole tabloid area, but um, this is something, and I think this plays into a little bit of what you guys were just talking about in terms of real life versus a dramatization and looking at the fact that the crown as you talked about last week, that it was supposed to be a love story to uh, Queen Elizabeth is what the creator had said about it. And yet there are certainly aspects to the story, uh, different episodes where certain things were portrayed in very unflattering lights or in ways that the family really objected to and had problems with some of it. So this article kind of goes into that, looking at the show from the perspective of how well are they doing and are they putting out some of these uh, graphic things in uh, a, a unflattering light? How does that impact with the royals themselves? And I think it's particularly interesting in perspective to uh, Charles, I think is probably one of the best examples of the fact that Prince Charles had gone through this period after Diana's death, through the divorce and the death and so forth, where he really got kind of a, a black eye in terms of the public opinion of him and really was put in a position where people were questioning about where the monarchy was going to be headed and do we really want to have a Prince Charles and so forth. And I do think in recent years, he's been rehabilitated to some point. And then here comes this series kind of bringing some of that stuff back to light right at the time when we're kind of going into this transition with him and how all that plays into it. You know, I kind of go back and forth. I think that they have brought forth some of those scandals in ways that don't reflect very flatteringly on the family. And yet, when you look at the portrayal of Charles over the last few seasons, the first young man who played him, Josh Connor, the first season that he played him, I thought he played him in such a sympathetic light. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really, really felt for him and his position. Not so much in the first year with him and the young Diana, because then you were starting to see you know, the jealousy and the deceptions and things that were going on, and that really kind of cast a unflattering light on him but now with Dominic West's portrayal I think you're starting to see that sympathy again that really definitely not black and white there's so much gray in what's going on with him and I just think this article they were looking at it from the perspective that it is exploitive and that some of the things that were brought up this season you know was it appropriate to be looking at these things 
in this light. So I don't necessarily agree with everything that was said in this article, but I think it's a interesting thing to consider in, in just light of the whole situation. Susan, can I ask you a question? Because you mentioned this series could be thought of as a love letter to Queen Elizabeth in her life and the trials mm-hmm. that she's gone through and the triumphs she's had. But Well, that's what the creator said about it. That's what, how right. he categorized it. Yeah. Well, would a love letter also show those challenges? You know, I, I think the fact that someone goes through challenges, the, some, the fact that sometimes you make the wrong decision, I don't think that necessarily, to me, it can still be a love letter and show that, hey, sometimes, you know, sometimes I made mistakes. I'm human just as anybody else. So I still see it as a love letter, even in this season where the royal family is going through some serious challenges a lot of times of their own making so that that's what i thought what do, what do you think matt well i think bubba that you are a proponent of tough love and <laughs> i also think that uh i haven't had any problem with the portrayal of charles i think that i probably felt worse just as susan pointed out i felt worse about charles in season four than i did anywhere else um he is very complex um as any human being is and i think that they've done a really good job of his honesty some of his shortcomings and some of his triumphs uh, have all been exhibited as just any human has in the course of their life and I, i i find him to be the probably i don't know if it's the most accurate portrayal of any of the royals but i do find it to be the most compelling and i just you know uh to Add to that, I, I agree with what Bubba's saying in terms of the fact that a dramatization to show the pitfalls and mistakes is not necessarily a bad thing that, you know, we want to look at things realistically. Um, but I just think it just, it's in that whole idea of like Bubba is looking at this whole thing as a dramatic retelling and let's look at how these characters are portrayed and how the story is being shown and kind of remove it from real life a little bit and I understand that and then you you talk about how what you have issues with is some of how we contrast it with history uh, you know where there are changes that that can be sometimes irritating and I agree with that too so it's just it's one of these things where because we're talking about real life people, it's complicated. And I think with Charles, just the idea that because some of these things have been brought up through the crown, which has been such a popular show, that it has brought some of these what were scandals that were kind of by me in the rearview mirror a little bit have been brought back up into public view and have reflected on him a little bit more recently than, you know, it would have been if this show had not been put out. I have a question, and this is one I'll, I'll really point to the to the audience, our listeners, Macbeth. Okay, I've just jinxed every play we're in, but <laughs> Shakespeare's Macbeth was a real person, but the Shakespeare play is obviously, you know, Matt would be going through it with a fine tooth comb, saying, uh, "Sorry, Shake, that was wrong." Bill, Bill. <laughs> You got this wrong. What are you making up these witches? What's going on here, Bill? Bill, why are you crossing timelines, man? Right, exactly. <laughs> Bill, that song didn't come out until the fifth century, until the eleventh century. Come on. Uh, so anyway, what is it? Just that it's too close. Like I, if this was made in a hundred years, 
I almost don't imagine anybody would be bringing up these thoughts that you guys have. Yeah, I agree, Bubba. That's why, you know, one of the things that I talked about in some of these episodes is I liked the earlier seasons because it was a little bit less removed from the current current day. And when you put things a little bit farther away historically, you have, uh, you know, that distance. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I understand you guys' points. I don't have to like them. Is it, is it comedy? Isn't comedy pain plus distance? Well, we don't have enough distance for this crown season to be a comedy because it ain't funny. <laughs> we got a new prime minister played by Bertie Carvel, the famous actor who appeared in the Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell miniseries that we covered so many years ago. And so he's Tony Blair. And this is somebody I think we should all really remember because Blair seemingly was a partner of our own president here in the United States with of Bill Clinton, where they worked very closely on many things and then later worked with uh, George W. Bush on some uh, controversial policies like the Iraq war. So any thoughts on saying goodbye to Major, who we didn't really see too many of his policy dis- debates or concerns, but he got shown the door and hello, Tony Blair. Any thoughts, Matt? Well, I'll start, I guess, by saying that I suppose out of many of the prime minister performances that have been done in this show, and there's been quite a few, um, I, I think that with Gauss Churchill was fabulous, but I, I really came to, I don't know this prime minister historically. I don't know that much about him, but just this portrayal of this character really made me admire and like this character. Uh, he even said, goodbye to the queen with such class and uh hello to the new prime minister welcomed him i'm i'm you know i'm sure that's just kind of a tradition or whatever but i just loved the way that he phrased it when he said you know one day you're on top of the world making policy and the next day you're evicted from your home because that's what you know that's what happens to these leaders i it just felt so human and i absolutely loved him how about you susan yeah, you know, uh, both the actor who p- portrayed Majors, uh, Johnny Lee Miller, and the actor who's going to be picking up Tony Blair. We haven't seen that much of him yet, but, you know, I loved Bertie in uh, Jonathan uh, Strange. That was, uh, and uh, Bubba, you're covering that was actually one of my favorite podcast series. I just uh, had so much fun with that. But uh, so I like both of these actors so much. And so I have definitely enjoyed Johnny Lee Miller's portrayal of Majors, and I look forward to seeing more, you know, next season, uh, what uh, Bertie Carvel is going to do with Tony Blair. Well, the one thing I think why we can have these great thoughts about John Major as he's leaving office is, again, unlike many of the other prime ministers on the show, because this season's dealt so much with family politics and uh, interrelationships in the royal family. We never, unlike a lot of other prime ministers, saw he John Major really battle any big policy concern, truly, other than the, the infamous, am I going to pay for this ship or not? And so I think that makes it easier for us as an audience to like this character. Like, we don't even really know why he had to step down and his party didn't stay in power, where a lot of times in previous seasons, we would see that. We would see 
for example, how Margaret Thatcher had to deal with certain challenges that she faced and oh, why she lost her uh, position. And so I did really like John Lee Miller's portrayal. But again, I don't think I really knew much about John Major through this season. I would agree with that. Where did it land, Susan? Momo, Dodie, and Diane. You got a lot of subcategories under that. Well, but. it's just uh, kind of little notes about what happened with them. You know, uh, Diana voting no multiple times. She's found redial. She knows how to work that. And uh, Dodie, you know, no matter what he tries to do, he, <laughs> he expects his dad to like his stuff uh, and his people um, and to pay for it. So, uh, you know, I don't know how Momo should take that or Momo or however you say his name. But uh, then uh, the whole idea of this being set, just all a big setup so that the daddy can invite Diana to on this vacation where undoubtedly Dodie will be there. And we know what happens with that relationship historically. So it, it's just feels like a, a, a big way to say, hey, these characters were introduced now because they kind of interworked with our, our characters in the early nineties, but now you're going to, you're going to get the big deal later in the, in the final season when everything becomes uh, super dramatic. So I don't know what else to think about this other than just to say to me, it wasn't a waste of, of camera time. It wasn't a waste of screen time, but I could understand why Bubba is so frustrated. Bubba, do you want to say anything more on this than you had said before? Yeah, I want to get us sued for copyright infringement. Okay, so you ready? A little doty about Moo Moo and Diana. Two Egypt kids just hanging out on their yacht. Let's go. Um, yeah, I don't know how, litig how litigious John Luke Cougar Mellencamp is, but uh, if so, um, then you've done it for you. Okay, there we go. Double P Media YouTube. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> youtube.com slash C slash the word. Double. No, 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 no. This, they had nothing to do with that copyright enrichment. No, but um, I, once again, if that episode had maybe started, if episode three had started season six and instead they were just kind of introduced relative to their importance to this season, I would have been fine with them. And once again, their importance would be meaning they'd have probably as much screen time as the um, PR guy did, in my opinion. I wouldn't have been so frustrated with it. And so I don't want my frustration with their role, their their outside, out, oversized role in this season to take away from what I think was a very interesting episode and very good portrayals of characters. And so now I uh, now I feel like I understand them and will have that kind of running start into season six. So uh, I've been very tough listeners. I hope you don't agree with me on this instance. I hope they didn't, uh, you know, that kind of pausing didn't frustrate you as much as it frustrated me. And so maybe yeah. in season six, I'll be glad that I got this extra time with them. But in season five, I just had trouble with it. I, uh, I, again, as, as I say, I understand. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I, I can definitely understand it. Uh, folks, we want to hear from you. Remember, I'm going to be doing a music podcast to wrap this season up here in a couple of weeks. I need just a week break in here. But uh, the whole idea is that you send feedback to us so that we can share it on this podcast, which if you tell me your thoughts 
about uh, Mumu and Doty in this particular season. Uh, I will share it in the musical podcast uh, that comes out in a couple of weeks. How do you submit feedback? You tweet to at LittleBitPod on Twitter. You send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com. You can also discover Double P Media's social medias. Look for the word double the letters PHQ on Twitter, Instagram, Hive, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the word double the letters PHQ. And of course, we take comments on our websites and our videos. The videos can be found at youtube.com slash C slash the word double the letter P, the word media. And you can use that same spelling for the website as well. And you can go to Matt's audio blog if you want to leave a comment on my web posts there. All of that feedback is gathered up each week, uh, which doesn't amount to a whole lot, but it's usually pretty strong and, and good feedback. So we like to hear from you and we like to share it with the rest of our listeners so that you can hear how wrong I am in comparison to them as we go along. And these these podcasts these podcasts last forever. You can find them on YouTube forever. You'll be able to download them on your favorite podcast app. So if you're listening to us in 2023, in 2024, 2025, and so on, please write to us and give us your thoughts. We're always interested. All right, and we're always interested in what Susan thinks of of this uh, couple of characters and the way yeah. that they were wrapped up this season. Right. And I wasn't on the episode where Bubba was discussing episode three and his issues with it. I really liked that episode. And uh, one thing that I want to bring up about it is there have been a couple of other times they've done an episode about something that seems a little bit random. I mean, it's related, but still, uh, you know, you had that episode where the uh, the whole episode about that gentleman who broke into the queen's bedroom that one time. And so we got, you know, the whole backstory about what was going on at that time, which did play into Margaret Thatcher's policies and how that was affecting, you know, people in, in England, uh, especially the disadvantaged individuals, where the reason that I really enjoyed the episode three so much, besides, I mean, I understood why they were introducing these characters and that they're going to play such an importance later. But I liked the whole thing with Mumu in terms of how... They were showing this kid who had been born in one of the countries that Great Britain had had in its colonial period, both him and the individual who was the ballet who, you know, under the Duke of Windsor, that, you know, here were examples of two individuals from these countries that had been ruled by Great Britain. And, you know, the individuals, some sometimes... Those people had great affection for Great Britain, and other times they certainly looked at them without much affection and were, you know, very upset about being ruled by foreigners like that. But I, I liked how they went through the whole thing of Mumu's appeal, you know, how much he was kind of this uh, Anglophile, uh, as uh, Boris Yeltsin declared himself too, that he once he gained. Uh, wealth over the years, what he saw as, you know, what was really going to show that he arrived was to be able to interact with the the top nobility and how much the valet's role and having worked for the Duke of Windsor played into that. And I really enjoyed that whole setup and the, the fact that he had purchased Harrods department store. I remember 
uh, it was around that time that I had first visited England, and uh, it was kind of a big scandal at the time that a foreigner had had purchased something that was such a big institution for uh, Great Britain. And um, so that episode really resonated with me is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. And I thought that some of the things that it, it dealt with were were really interesting, besides the fact that this person was going to be important later. Spin the wheel or do a contest? Which wheel are we spinning here? Matt, I think because you just mentioned contest, we should spin the wheel to really, you know, on subject matter to really shock our listeners. So Uh, let's spin the subject matter wheel. All right. And where did it land? Okay. On this time, it landed on Spin it for a contest winner. There you go, Matt. I just oh, wow. totally <laughs> winked you. Oh, wow. I'm fooled again. I can't believe it. Bubba has said there's going to be a contest. We have a wheel with everybody's name on it. For app reviews, we got The Matrix, Miss Susie, Santa Claus, Indiana, Naomi Burton, Joey, 151785, and Clara V, who also sent an email, and we have uh, for YouTube comments, Tepra123123, Oasis88, Sweet Gav, and Donut Buzzcut. So, oh, and Marsha Mariner, 7897. Wonderful. So, lots of contestants here. Now, Susan, you have to pick what this contestant will win this time around. Will it be? Okay, and give me the review of what those four things were again so that I sure. know what I'm choosing it's- from. The yeah, give volume. the actual retail price. The actual <laughs> retail price. Uh, $459, the Crown Volume 1, Official Companion. Uh, $738, the Crown in Vogue. Uh, the Crown Dissected, $2.38. And uh, the Crown Volume 2, uh, $438.73. So, uh, okay. which one, Susan? Let's do start with The Crown in Vogue. The Crown in Vogue. This is a big, thick book, ladies and gentlemen. It is huge. Uh, and we are now going to spin. Uh, Bubba, you tell me when to spin. You just say spin and I'll hit the button. Okay, in about 50 minutes, we'll spin. No, right now, spin. <laughs> and stop. It's going, going, going. Where will it land? It lands on the Matrix. The Matrix has won uh, the crown in vogue. So the Matrix, we appreciate you leaving a written review on Apple Podcasts. What we need you to do now is send an email to Matt's audio blog, M-A-T-T-S, audio blog, all strung together at gmail.com. And once you submit that, your uh, shipping information, I will send this to you. Now, unfortunately, Matrix, you cannot win anything else. I'm going to remove your name from this list. Oh, what a scam. Oh, terrible. That's the way that this goes. Congratulations to the Matrix. Wonderful job uh, for submitting a written review for us on the podcast app. Now, are we ready to spin the wheel uh, of topics roll it matt i think i can read this one ladies and gentlemen minor miracle i, miracles. I, I think see. i can minor miracles Let's well see. it's very it's not many words so the lettering's a little bigger it says that damn boat metaphor 
which has occurred all season long. Should the queen be decommissioned or not? Uh, should Philip decommission his relationship uh, with Penny because of the queen, or should he just decommission the queen and stick with Penny? Uh, is the boat going to finally be put oh, into dry dock where it can become a, a space for uh, public visiting and for parties uh, as it was when it was put in Scotland. All of this stuff uh, comes to mind as far as this motifor goes. And there's lots of stuff that's just kind of rolled into about Elizabeth here. I'm going to start with you, Susan, because I think you're probably the best arbiter of this question. Uh, who gave the best birthday present? Was it Margaret's rubber gloves? Was it Andrew's, uh, you know, uh, big mouth Billy Bass fish, this, the one that sang uh, Charles's painting? Which one would you want? I mean, what do you get a monarch that has everything already? Yeah, boy, that's tough. But I have to admit, I am not someone who likes joke gifts. So um, just not up. Just not my type of humor. So I would go for Charles painting. I thought that was really sweet. Now, the downside to that is the fact that the queen owns one of the largest art collections in the world with all these masters and so forth. So, uh, you know, the painting would have to have some special significance. And I wasn't quite sure was he, when Charles, when he was describing it, was that something he said he painted it? Was it his watercolor? Or he said something about, you know, it won a mine. So I wasn't sure if he was actually the artist or if it was of some special area that the you know that the it was a, a Charles can't matter. even pay for his own divorce, Susan. You think he's going to go out and buy a, a, somebody else's paintings uh, separate from the <laughs> royal collection? So no, it's something he painted himself, probably, which made it personal. Yeah, right, right. So then that would be special. That would make it significant rather than the fact that you're just adding to this huge royal collection. So that, you know, Charles Payne was the one I would definitely go with there. And yet she didn't seem to really be that impressed with it, you know? No, it was going to, it was going to go in the circular, circular filing cabinet, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> File 13. Sadly. Yeah. The rubber gloves are a practical gift. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm keeping. You can keep a big mouth Billy Bass to hell with that joke gift. Just singing, don't worry, be happy. Listen to me. When I'm doing the dishes, I don't want my hands to get dry, <laughs> you know, chapped. So I'm going to put them in these rubber gloves. And then when I'm washing the royal dishes by hand, because they're China, I'll be better off. There you go. I mean, Perfect. you got you got to get gag gifts to the queen. What else has she got? You're giving her the gift of laughter, right? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm cool with either the rubber gloves or the fish uh, because, you know, uh, and everybody else is just kind of like, Oh, Charles is making it about him again. Uh, yeah, the, the next topic. Spin the wheel. He didn't seem to enjoy the fish the most, I have to say. Now, wait a minute. We've got more things to talk about here. If you're going to keep attacking Charles, we have nothing more to talk about. Uh, King, it, King Charles. Uh, I appreciate that you're Team Charles. Uh, I am also, actually, but somebody has to play, you know, the bad guy in this podcast. Uh, so uh, what did we think of Tony Blair's uh, proposal for a new yacht, a sponsored yacht, like the X XTF Britannia brought to you by Hellman's mayonnaise or something? Anybody? Here in America, we've kind of made this deal with the devil. 
where we don't want to pay for everything, make a sponsor pay for it. But the good thing about that is that it's not you paying for it. You're not paying for the boat. Somebody else will. Now, personally, I think this queen knows somebody who's pretty obsessed with the royals, who knows a thing about boats, who would pay for it if you'd just sit next to him at the damn horse prancing <laughs> show. I mean, boo-boo, it's got plenty of cash, and he fixed up the old boat. But anyway, here in America, we have made that deal with the devil. We, I, I'm talking to you right now from the city of Atlanta, which hosted the Olympics in 96, and the only way the city, quote-unquote, could afford it and not go bankrupt is we had all these ugly, you know, sponsored by Coke, sponsored by this, sponsored by that. We don't have a royal family, so we, uh, you know, we don't really have that. But if we had to save a buck to say, you know, Air Force One brought to you by FedEx, you know, maybe we'd do it. We're cheap. We're frugal. Frugal, not cheap. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That's real tough for the royal family, but it, it would have kept the boat afloat. Susan, Charles has been fixated on this whole Queen Victoria syndrome uh, thing uh, since the beginning. And he even makes, you know, some adjustments to her speech to Hong Kong. He feels like that uh, it's time for her to step down, like he's not getting his chances. We've seen in prior episodes. Um, what are your feelings about whether a monarch should abdicate the throne simply because of age or should it just be a matter of personal choice right well the fact that this is this constitutional monarchy the monarch doesn't have any real they don't enforce anything in the government really the prime minister and the parliament are the ones that are running and deciding these things so it's not like they have the kind of power that a king would a king or queen would have, uh, you know, traditionally historically. So I think because of the kind of ceremonial role that they play, that they should really, it should be for life, because um, I think it would have been a real mistake. I mean, when you look at the popularity that Queen Elizabeth especially has had in recent years, for that to have happened, we're still going to have to see how it plays out with Charles, because he doesn't have that same popularity and, and appeal that that Elizabeth did. So I, I think in the situation that there's not real power being wielded here, it should be for life. Elizabeth makes a point about being the head of the church, uh, the Church of England being one of the, the key fixtures of the queen, mm -hmm. of course. That's so true. don't you think that it's a little dangerous to have someone who gets so old, maybe they get a little senile, they start running around in one of the royal gardens naked all the time. Uh, they start <laughs> They start coming on to some of the guards and patting knees and things like that. Um, is there a time to advocate, Baba? Well, <laughs> I want to say I have nothing to do with that question. <laughs> I, I disavow that question. I abdicate myself from answering that inflammatory question. But as ceremonial, it's for life. You know, we have people who... Um, you know, we have positions where they do have real power, like Supreme Court, where it can be for life. And, you know, sadly, uh, you know, there are times where you're like, this person should step down at their uh, advanced age. But who's to say they they get to decide, I think, a, a position like a queen, they get to they get to say. When you were talking about senility, I mean, that's a little bit different than just old age. So, I mean, if somebody was 
obviously, uh, you know, not in their right mind, who wouldn't be able to, to, you know, to take on their duties anymore. That might be a little bit different situation, but that's not what we had here. Anybody feel sad about the boat? I kind of, I'm going to miss the boat, uh, especially when even Blair admitted that he, to Charles, that he was quite struck by the ceremony and all of that stuff, all the tradition of it. Uh, I, I, when Elizabeth said goodbye to the boat, although I don't know why she was so fixated on the damn stamps, but, uh, I, I did appreciate, you know, the, the, the saying goodbye to the boat, that shot of her just kind of staring, uh, off at the wall when they're in, in the, one of the rooms, I just, I felt bad for her. I felt terrible for her. And, uh, historically she even evidently, uh, you know, Elizabeth rarely cries or has rarely been seen crying in public. That's one of the times when it, the boat was decommissioned that she actually uh, wiped away tears. Was it fake? I don't know. But anybody feel bad about the boat, Bubba? I did not connect with the boat. Susan? Me either. No. Nope. Wow, you guys are heartless. You're not. <laughs> you're, you're nautically heartless. That's what you are, nautically. You know, there's this book, which which I always refer to. Because my family had a little boat, you know, a little outboard motorboat when I was a kid. And it's like the two happiest days in your life are when you buy your boat and when you sell your boat. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's kind of true. Like, it is kind of true. Bubba, is there another topic on the wheel still yet? Or is there just a contest topic on the wheel? Well, the big thing to talk about is who's the next winner. Spin that wheel, Matt. All right, we shall do that. So, what are we going to give away this time, Susan? The Crown Volume 1. The Crown Official Companion Volume 1 shall be drawn for. Bubba, you say when to spin. Spin it now. Big money, big money. No whammies, no whammies. Oh, man, who put whammies on this? I can't believe it. I said no whammies, Matt. Ooh, this is a wonderful person. Naomi Burton, who left us a wonderful review uh, again on uh, Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, Naomi. What you need to do is send an email to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S-audioblog at gmail.com. Please let me know your information so that I can ship this to you. I'm feeling a little... uh, you know, frisky here. I, I want to give away something else again, too. So this is complete anarchy. All right, frisky boy. Let's let's give away another prize. All right. We're going to give away another prize. Wing a second. I gotta remove Naomi because I forgot to do that. Okay. So uh refresh so that it is already spinning when I start. Susan. What are we going to give away? We have, we still have the Crown Volume Two, the Crown Dissected, and Bubba's magazine. Also, what magazine is that again, Bubba? It's called the Year. Uh, excuse me, Life Magazine: The Years of the Crown, and a lovely picture of Queen Elizabeth here on the uh, cover. Let's go with that Life Magazine now. Heck yeah! Now let me say this is a sixteen ninety nine Canadian dollar value. According to the cover. Wow. Cheap. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Susan, this time you tell me when to spin. Spin. Our winner is Donut Buzzcut. 
Heck yeah. Wonderful comments on YouTube. Wonderful, wonderful username. I love it. I love that name too. And a loyal listeners. We for sure appreciate Donut Buzz Cut and really helpful comments too. Things that, uh, you know, correct the, the perspective on the historically or whatever. So love that. I think we'll have something from them uh, a little later on in our feedback. So one topic left on the wheel. No reason to spin it. Uh, Bubba would say it was something else anyway. And that is the question of why is Charles so vain and sad? Or is he? Why is Charles so, so vain, vain and unsad? Listeners, I don't approve of these topics, the, the, the way they're phrased. So uh, is it not vain? Is it not vain to change the queen's speech to feel like that you should be in first class to uh, position yourself against Elizabeth with the new prime minister? That's not vain. You're saying anytime you believe in yourself, it's vain. That's no. completely wrong. That's completely wrong, Matt. Listeners, please span Matt's audio blog with his. Think that you. Your painting is a great gift to somebody who it's has something everything. I made. It's something I made. You didn't make that Billy. That's pretty vain. Big mouth I, Billy I, Bass. It, I made something so good. It's worth giving away. It's, it's, it's worth giving, giving, giving to charity. And the charity will be like, we're not that bad off to heck with that. You are just so cruel to our future King. Or actually he's the current King. He just hasn't at as the time of this recording, we have not had his coronation yet. So exciting coming up in a couple of months. I, I I just don't get it, Matt. I think if you're being brought to speak on behalf of this very important event at Hong Kong, uh, you know, kind of, I forget how they phrase it, uh, you know, not being part of the monarchy anymore, you should, you are very important. And the idea that you're going to create a class system in the, in the plane that isn't going to Put me or the king in his in proper place, or at this time, admittedly, the prince in his proper place. I, I think that's insulting, and so you know, I, I think Charles wasn't vain. I think he he understood his role maybe better than brand new prime minister Tony Blair in this fictional account did. I think it's just sad that he liked the sponsored boat idea. Why is Charles so so vain? Why do you hate the sponsored boat idea so much? We're here in America. We sponsor everything. We have, I mean, the Rose Bowl, like literally a million things that people really, really care about have stupid sponsorship. I think that the breaking point for me was the Duke Mayo Bowl. Where they yes, all... it was. It's pretty terrible. We had the pool and weed eater bowl game. Remember that? Oh my God! Uh, the Duke Mayo Bowl, where they actually, you know, dipped all kinds of strange foods into mayo and had to eat it together. Oh, and, okay, uh, and this okay. has nothing to do with the ground. But the point is, here in our country. So, do you hate it in our country that we've given away so many things uh, to 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 sponsorship? I don't even know what to call the Edward Jones Dome in my own city anymore because it's exactly. got had fifty names. I hate. I hate sponsorship stuff. I understand 
Now, if yeah, you want to sponsor to this podcast, for. if you want to sponsor this podcast, send us cold, hard cash. <laughs> That's audio blog. Sorry. Continue. Matt. No, we never take money here. Uh, Bubba might uh, take money for the YouTube stuff, but I don't take any money for anything that I do because, well, quite frankly, my words aren't worth it. Uh, it's okay. So let's let an objective person uh, look at this. Who's called I will. Okay. Charles oh, complex at right, right. uh, Susan. Any thoughts that you have about Charles in this episode? He was put in kind of a bad spot in a couple of places. I'm going to give you that. But he also made a couple of bad spots for himself. I'll, I'll tell you one place. Wait a minute. Before you start, I'll tell you one place where I would com completely stick up for Charles. It's none of Elizabeth's damn business what he does on that boat with Camila or that Camila's on that boat. He's divorced, you know, and, and she, as the head of the church, has to say this is a bad idea. But she had no business saying that. Changing her speech. That's pretty bad. What do you think? I do agree with you that she doesn't, she shouldn't have any say about his relationship with Camilla now that uh, post divorce, but she probably did have a little bit of say over him using the boat for his personal vacation. You know, that's mm. why you know, they asked for him to reimburse that. I understand that. And even, you know, the, I would be a little bit upset at the business class thing myself because I mean, you know the the crown prince is in business class while the uh while the prime minister is up in first class i mean i would think if i were charles i would have been willing to pay the couple of hundred dollars or whatever it was out of my own pocket to move up to first class i mean he certainly has the money to do that it just felt like kind of a a, a silly uh the, the thing to try to to do you know, whatever, if they were trying to insult him or what the deal was there, I really couldn't tell. He does get a little bit forward with some of these things. I mean, this is where, uh, you know, in in real life, Charles has been criticized because uh, there was a series of a time when he sent memos to different people in government, you know, kind of like him having that meeting with the prime minister. And they were actually called the Black Spider Memos that he was sending because people felt like maybe it was inappropriate for him to take that role because the monarchy is is supposed to you know not take a political position and he felt that because he wasn't the monarch yet that he had the right to do that there's this whole thing now about you know he's been questioned about how he's going to proceed and he has said you know of course i'm not going to do that type of thing now that i'm the king but um but still he has taken that role and people have wondered whether it's appropriate or not for him to do it so he knows more than you do final thoughts on charles before we move on to our parliamentary debate i'm actually going to defend the queen for a bit my boat my rules you want to have your sexy escapade somewhere not on my boat not in, not a, not on my port or starboard or other areas of the boat. That's what I say. Them's the rules. <laughs> That's why he had to reimburse her. Yeah. Well, the, you know, he can afford that, but not first class tickets. Right. Here is the question I think that the show is leaving us with is, was the queen out of touch? Not whether she should abdicate or not, but was she out of touch 
with Britain at the moment? And this is, once again, I only want to go by what the show is presenting us. But do you believe at this moment the queen is no longer in touch with her populace and her subjects? She is completely out of touch. She has not a clue as to what's going on. She didn't even pay attention to the vote that Diana, you know, contributed 10,000 votes to uh, because it was going so well uh, for her, for her, uh, you know, she, she turned it off early on. She couldn't even do that. Uh, here's a woman who would rather have a pair of rubber gloves than a piece of art. She doesn't understand the wonderful sense of history and humanity and art that her own country has. Um, she was more worried about the building when it burned down at Windsor Castle than the paintings that were in it. Uh, she's completely out of touch. I mean, Camila can do whatever the heck she wants. She can come on that boat. She and Charles can get naked on that boat and run all up and down the deck. I'm telling you, she is out of touch. Uh, and she's clinging on to some kind of churchy religion, hokey pokey, doesn't work anymore kind of thing just because she's the head of it. I mean, you're the head of it. Change it crying out loud susan what however you respond you win this debate okay yeah matt you're 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 totally out of it here uh, in this circumstance uh the queen is very much in touch i mean she is beloved of her people she always was i mean there was a little blip there after diana's death where people felt like she was insensitive in her response to that but you know for the most part since the time that she was uh coronated as a young woman until the day she died and even after with her funeral people of great britain loved her her son not so much i mean he's gonna be dealing with some stuff here because certainly with camilla and diane and all of that there was a lot of issues about him but uh but not elizabeth she was beloved and uh will always be yeah, Charles didn't endear himself with that whole pin thing the second that uh, he had to sign those papers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for, just to remind people that he can be kind of a stickler. But we're going to put it on a poll uh, at Lilibet Pod on Twitter. One last poll to have our listeners tell us who is right and who is wrong. Vote for Susan, vote for Susan, vote for Susan. And we will. Uh, just go to at a little bit pod. You'll find it there and we'll give you the results in the musical podcast. Here are your history notes for season five, episode 10 of the crown. Blair became prime minister of the United Kingdom on the 2nd of May, 1997. Aged 43, Blair became the youngest person to become Prime Minister since Lord Liverpool became Prime Minister at age 42 in 1812, as is mentioned in the episode. He remained the second youngest Prime Minister until Rishi Suryak became the Prime Minister in 2022. Source, Wikipedia. The sovereignty of Hong Kong was transferred from the United Kingdom to the People's Republic of China at midnight on the 1st of July, 1997. This event ended 156 years of British rule in the former colony. Source, Wikipedia.
And finally, with Queen Elizabeth, Prince Philip, and all of their children in attendance, Britannia was decommissioned at a ceremony in Portsmouth, England on December 11th, 1997. The monarch was seen wiping away a tear. The yacht, now docked in Leith, Scotland, is open to the public as a museum and event space. Source, architecturaldigest.com. As for our final thoughts regarding the season, you don't have necessarily have to give a rating. I'm not going to, uh, because I would have to try and figure out where exactly I stood on the season as a whole. And I don't have that kind of brain power left anymore after trying to argue against Charles, which is futile. Um, so why don't we just compare how you felt about season five to other seasons, to prior seasons? Susan, let's start with you. Yeah, that, I've already said it several times. This was not my favorite season. Um, I really enjoyed season one and two very much. Claire Foy, I think she did a fantastic job as young Elizabeth and getting into those early years, really. I really enjoyed the historical aspect of all of that. And I really liked the the season with the young uh, Josh Connor playing uh, Prince Charles. So those are probably the three seasons that I have enjoyed the most out of all of it. And this one, it was okay, but not my favorite. I want to say that I don't think this season could be the most enjoyable, mainly because it's a season of a family going through a hard time. And that it makes it difficult for viewers to watch. Even in past seasons where the family went through difficult times, there were moments that felt like triumph and I'm not sure there were many slash any scenes in this season where you really thought, Oh, what a great triumph for the Royal family. And so that makes it difficult, but I still think the acting was impeccable. I think the production on this show is very impressive and it's, it's an enjoy. It, it was very good at showing a family going through a very tough time. So I'm positive on it. I'm also positive. It's just, not enjoyable to watch a family going through difficulties, but I still think it was, I still think it's top-notch television. That's my thought. Excellent. I am with you, Susan, in that the fact that the first two seasons are my absolute favorite, I actually did not enjoy. I, I think they were impactful. I think they were very well done, but I did not enjoy seasons three and four that much simply for the fact that, um, maybe it took me a minute to get used to the new cast and not that they did anything wrong. It's just that it took me a little bit longer this time. I was expecting it a little bit more. And so I was able to adjust for that. Um, I still think that all three of the leads, Claire and Olivia and Imelda have done fabulous jobs. Um, even though they've all had varying differences in the amount of stuff that they really get to work with. And uh, Imelda Staunton's, being the fewest, you know, being the least amount. But I think with the economy of what her role was this season, she did very well. Uh, so I'd probably go the first two seasons, um, then the fifth season, then three, then four would be my ranking for these five seasons so far. Uh, on the note, 
though, we're going to be looking forward to the final season, and we will be back as the show comes out. Uh, no more kind of little rituals or anything where we wait a long period of time. Uh, we're going to totally uh, disband the idea that it takes me two months to understand a single episode what happened. Uh, instead, I'll just be flying off the seat of my pants. And if you think I'm wild now, just wait till you see that. Nonetheless, we do want to look forward to what season six will bring from a historical per perspective. Obviously, this is reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. We don't know exactly what, how they're going to portray it or whatever, but there are some things like an article from the BBC uh, that gave us kind of a clue as to what they were going to do. They're going to be going through to the early 2000s and uh, they're also uh, going to be chronicling the immediate aftermath of Diana's death. So my question to you, Bubba, I guess to start is we've already had the immediate aftermath. So are they just going to kind of skip a skip past that and say, you know, go watch the movie and then come back to this. Or are they going to, are they going to try to just recreate some of the stuff from the movie? How would you approach this? If you're going to go past it um, and you're not going to do kind of like this end recap or whatever, as far as, you know, the very end of Elizabeth's life, then, and you're only going to go to the early two thousands. What, how do you how do you approach the fact that there's this big pin of a movie stuck right at Diana's I death? Ignore the movie. You keep mentioning the movie in some of the chats we have, and I think you ignore the movie. To tell someone to truly get this story, you do have to watch something outside of the series. I don't think it makes sense. I think that if I were Peter Morgan, I would say, what is the exact final note that or, or final story I want to tell in this show? And then you once again try to find the, things thematic that that will lead up to that final note you want to tell that final episode. And so, just as in this season, he was like, "Let's let's kind of have a a beginning and end with the royal yacht." Similarly, I would imagine he has something he wants to tell in that final season, and he can have some object, some once again, some final story he wants to tell that that puts a nice, as nice a bow as you can on this incredible TV series. So again, I don't know the history well enough, even in the early 2000s of, of what would be a great end note to end on. But I think that for the tragedy of Diana's death, I don't think you can just skip past that. Like, like, like you spent this time introducing Dodie and Mumu you do have a have to at least have a couple episodes of them of how that Diana Doty relationship got started oh, yeah. and what it ended up meaning. Uh, it maybe I maybe I didn't phrase it correctly, but I was just saying, you know, the immediate aftermath, which is what is quoted in this article from the BBC, is the movie, right? So is he just well going again, to I've not seen it? the movie. He well, I I I if I understand the movie, which I don't, but isn't the movie really about the queen's response? It's not really about uh, uh, the yeah. children, the children's response. It's not about the ex-husband's response. It's not about the uh, the country's response, is it? I think there's a little bit of the country's response. Right. Well, fair that, enough. But... There are a lot of angles you can take to this. Sure. Okay. Does it does it deal with Tony Blair's response? A bit. Okay. The movie does. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think I think the largest gist of it was that uh, you know, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth was responding to it as a grandmother and family member, and so the public wasn't seeing her respond in a way that they felt was appropriate. And uh, Blair was kind of playing intermediary in that as he watched the public get angrier and angrier about not getting a response from her. Yeah. And the other thing that, I've, that you might find interesting, Bubba, if you want to take time in the offseason to watch this, and I don't know if you do or not, but uh, the gentleman who played David, uh, King Edward, who abdicated, uh, he plays the role of Charles in this movie. Uh, so he's been a long favorite of Peter Morgan's for a while. So that's uh, it's a it's a I think it's a good film. I I, I I really like the film. I just I'm searching for ways that Peter Morgan can add to what he added. And I think that some of the things you suggested are very valid and could happen, I suppose. Susan, uh, let's do this. Let's talk about your total feelings on how this movie uh, might play into it or not, or also um, just the idea of where we are in the timeline. Because I got really confused. Uh, obviously, what the the Hong Kong thing happens like July first of nineteen ninety seven. Uh, I think that Diana's death was either the thirtieth or thirty first of ninety seven. That's going to be a very intense time period between that and Diana's death to focus on in the first part of the season. Um, I don't know how much is there, how much will have to be made up, but uh, it, I mean, do you have any recollection of, of things that we might see? Uh, I don't. I haven't really looked at this that well. I mean, I, I agree that it's a good movie, but I agree with Bubba that I don't think that they, that, uh, they should really take the movie into too much consideration in terms of how they're going to craft the final But do you season. want Peter Morgan just redoing stuff? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I, <sighs> I imagine that they're going to have to spend, you know, probably one full episode and part of another, if not part of a couple others dealing mm. with it. But I do think that if they're going to be going into the, you know, a few years past that, they're going to want to be able to have time to focus on some other things, too. And I would think that if this really is supposed to be a love letter to Queen Elizabeth, they don't want to wrap it up on Diana's death. They want to wrap it up on no. something positive. So I think that, like Bubba said, they're going to have to find out what figure out what the the focus is of that final season and how does that death play into it right well another thing is is that there's yet another generation that is coming of age right in that time right. period or shortly after that time period and i think that that's where the early 2000s really come in we, we do know mm -hmm. that a younger uh well an, an older than now prince william has been cast actually there's been two castings for like a 16 year old and a 19 year old and then a young Kate Middleton has been cast as well. So we're at least going to see their first meeting probably mm -hmm. um, and, and see where all of that runs. I'm just trying to figure out how they build the season with such a little time period up until the accident left. And then 
how much of the accident they're going to focus on and how much they're going to go after that. It just feels very formulaically tough to me. Yeah, right. you seem to have a lot of very passionate thoughts on this. You're like, is he just going to repeat the movie? Matt, you feel so strong. Where do you think the show should end? What do you think the last episode should cover? Do you have a strong opinion on that? Well, I was always under the impression that it was going to lead up to Diana's accident. And then they got uh... so they got so far into this thing, not just with this season, but with the prior season as well, to where I just felt like, okay, he can't pace out two months of of story through a whole season. And then I see this article that it's going to be, uh, you know, in the early 2000s. But I just wonder if, you know, they're still going to lead up to the accident mostly in the season and make just a very intense two months a big part of the story. And then uh, show up sometime afterwards after they have like an episode of her dealing with it, which is still going to be a rehash to me of the movie. Yeah, Matt, I just never... I didn't think about it too much, but I never thought the show would end at the time you thought it would end. It, it, to me, it doesn't make sense to end the show at, around. Well, to me, it does simply because you got a movie to watch after that. It was a good way to market everything. Mm. Um, I guess I, I, I just to me, you know, you keep referring to this movie, this movie, this movie. I think it's, it's probably bears out that more people have seen The Crown than the movie. And I think once again, you want this to be a whole. You don't want this to be an incomplete. So. I, I don't yeah. see how you how you end there. Mm. I've never seen how you end there. Of course, I haven't seen the movie, so maybe it's easy for me to think that. But I don't think I don't think so either, because like I say, that that just seems like it would be ending the series on such a negative. And and you also want to kind of, you know, when I talk about how season five started with a boat and kind of ended with the boat, you know, you do want kind of the symmetry of this was a young. Uh, you know, when the series started way back in the first episode of season one, this was a young woman with her life ahead of her. And so maybe you you either end with a with an old woman with her life behind her or you you end with a young couple like William and Kate as a young couple with their lives ahead of them. And you kind of mirror it that way. That's possible. I guess we shall find out. Probably in November, although we don't know exactly when it'll be coming out, but that's uh, what the current speculation is, is that it will be coming out. Any other thoughts about uh, the potential of season six or uh, anything else there? What does uh, Bubba's note say here? Well, I think it's interesting when we're recording this, listeners, in uh, early 2023, one of the actors who played Princess Margaret in past seasons, actress Helena Bonham Carter, has come out and said that the crown should end now. She, quote, it's no longer historic drama and should not carry on. Um, this is very easy as someone who is not a, a, a citizen of the United Kingdom, but I think it makes no, I think that makes no sense to end now. So uh, I respectfully disagree with the actress. The original plan was just to do five seasons, but uh, somehow he was convinced that he needed another season. Uh, as a viewer, I'm convinced he needs another season. Yeah. Okay. Well, then he's got he's got his finger on the right buttons. It's just uh, uh, I I kind of side with Helena Bonham Carter. It's like we're getting into a place where we could have done this in five seasons, and and it it probably should have been done in five seasons. Um, oh man, I want to hear our listeners on this because uh, Matt, <laughs> I'm just completely on the opposite side. 
I see it both ways too. I, I, I agree kind of with, in terms of it being a dramatic series, I agree with Bubba that I think a six one would bounce it out. But from that perspective of this being so close to real life and that article that I talked about where people are saying, you know, is there, are we just doing, uh, you know, uh, gossip drama here that I can see why some people would be unhappy with it getting into such uh, uh, modern uh, stories. Folks, we have given away everything except, I believe, one book, correct? No, two books. Two. Two. So we need to do two more drawings, I guess. What have we not drawn for? The crown dissected? Yeah, and volume two. And yeah, volume let's two. roll. Let's spin that wheel. Our oh. wonderful listeners who put up with all our craziness deserve prizes for, for joining us on the boat. And here we go. What are we giving away, Susan? Let's give away the crown volume two. Crown official companion volume two goes to heck yeah marcia 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 mariner 7897 for your youtube comment you have won the crown official companion volume two please contact me by sending an email to matt's audioblog at gmail.com with your shipping information so that I can get you this prize. Thank you, Marsha Mariner, for your comments and for listening to the podcast. Listeners, I don't know if it's exciting audio to listen to your chance. If the, if you if you didn't submit anything, you're like, well, I don't care about these people. That's why we want you to give us that feedback. That's why we want you to join us. So this part will be interesting. And here we go with our last prize. Spin it, Matt. For the crown dissected. Our winner is Miss Susie. Miss Susie has one. And we need to draw at least one alternate just in case that somebody doesn't get back to us. Don't you agree? Sure. All right. So our alternate shall be. Sweet Gav on a YouTube comment. Sweet Gav has won the position of alternate. As for Santa Claus, Indiana, Joey 151785, Tempra 123123, Oasis 888, and Claire V. Thank you so much for your feedback. Sorry we couldn't get you a winner this time around, but we want to congratulate all of our winners and tell you that we will be getting this stuff to you just as soon as you send me an email, mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, telling me exactly where to send this stuff. I'll forward it to, for Bubba's as well. I'll forward that. So I think you've got Donut Buzz Cut, right? I, I have to be honest. I didn't make no, make sure that's true, Matt. I just yeah. want to say, listeners, you're all winners in our eyes, especially those of you who actually won and didn't lose. So thank you yeah. so much. Well, not only that, but just for the fact that you chimed in uh, makes you winners. And the fact that most of you disagreed with my assessments makes you even more of a winner because I'm nothing but a loser. So you want to be the polar opposite of me. And uh, with that, I think that we should get to some feedback that got included in this contest this time around. Let's 
do that by uh, looking at a podcast app review. This one from Clara V, who we mentioned Ooh. just a minute ago. Uh, the pod, the review is entitled Gold Nugget. It was five stars. This comes from the Canadian Apple Podcast Store. And thank Clara you, v says, Thank you. Uh, Clara V says, Gold Nugget, as it is usual with Matt Murdock Podcasts. He and his guests are funny and interesting. They give honest opinions. And it is one of the rare podcasts with music analysis. Very good and interesting. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Clara V. Uh, this who is also the person who sent us the email saying that they had actually uh, put in the podcast app review. Thanks for letting us know. If you do a podcast app review and we don't read it on this podcast, please do contact me, email me, let me know that you left one so that I can find it and copy it and paste it. And we can talk about that. What did Donut Buzzcut have to say, Bubba, about our last episode uh, covering season five, episode eight? Wonderful royal subject. Donut Buzzcut wanted us to know that Marmaduke Hussey was the husband of the queen lady in waiting, Susan Hussey. Right. And so that's why I always got into trouble when I said Susan was a hussy. Yeah. Not our Susan. Susan no, Hussey. Oh, right. Exactly. Sorry. Uh, so one of the things that, uh, because they do, they do demonstrate that she even gets a birthday. The queen throws her a birthday party for crying out loud. Is there Heck nepotism yeah. going on here? Susan, is this, is this uh, because this, she the, probably got a first class ticket too. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just all, it's all so unfair, isn't it? Poor Charles, vain and sad yeah. Charles. Uh, so, uh, do you know anything about Susan Hussey? Cause I don't, I really don't, but I don't either. Other than that, you know, as a lady in waiting, obviously, you know, it's just this close knit group of people. So that's why, you know, her, with the influence with the BBC and all that was there. Yeah. And she just got into bed with her husband and says, you know, the queen is so depressed and everything. And then, uh, Marmaduke right. comes up with the idea of a lifetime. Hey, let's do a special about the queen. Uh, and not some scandalous thing about the Princess Diana and Charles. Um, you know, nonetheless, he he lost out just yeah. like he lost his leg in war. So uh, one other one other piece of uh, feedback here. This was that email from Claire. He says, just to let you know, I'm listening to your excellent podcast. Left a rating on Apple Tunes, Apple Podcasts in uh, Canada. I like the fifth season of The Crown, but it is not my favorite season. It might be because the real events are more known to me, but still, I've enjoyed it nonetheless. Thanks to you and your guests for helping me to enjoy the experience with the show even more. Thank, Thank you, you for much. that email. Wonderful. Uh, polls, because we have to know who's absolutely definitive right and who's definitively wrong uh, when we do our parliamentary debates. These poll these polls are part of a constitutional monarchy that Matt has over this podcast. Let's go. Yes, uh, you can't you can't escape it. I am the head of the Church of Polls. Is Apollo thirteen a good date movie? Sixty two point five percent of you said no. That's the only win I think I've gotten all season. Should the BBC have aired the Panorama interview? Whopping loss for me 77.8 percent of you said yes they should have uh, bubba is once again the champion and this has never happened before even though it's happened the last two weeks what's more difficult 
asking the same questions and making the same declarations or wearing a wig if you're a judge. Uh, 50% of you voted for either declarations or wigs, a complete tie. This has never happened before, except for the fact that it's happened the last two weeks in a row. That means we need to have a special off-season podcast where we repeat the exact same things constantly day after day while wearing a wig. Yeah. See which is worse. Yeah. Uh, who throws so the wig gosh. off first? That would be my question. Who throws the wig off first? I mean, because I constantly repeat things and it never works out for me anyway. So I know that that's pretty bad. But how long could I do it with a wig on? That's, that's yeah. a good question. Those judicial wigs in the British courts are always fun to watch in different series. Time to wrap this puppy up, folks. I will be back for a musical analysis podcast. Uh, Bubba doesn't want to do anything musically with me. Um, Susan doesn't want to do anything musically with me. It's just me. Uh, so it, that being the consequence, you may want to unsubscribe until we come back in November. Nonetheless, the Bubba's just shaking his head at the fact that I love dissing myself. Uh, I don't get enough hate mail. And so I have to inflect it on myself. That's what I like to do. At any rate, Willie will have a musical podcast still coming out in two weeks. So be sure to get in all of your feedback regarding season five. We want to hear from you. Leave comments in our YouTube videos as Bubba points down to the bottom of the screen. Also hit that bell, yo, for notifications. Hit that subscribe button because we want to be able to tell you about all of the great stuff that Double P Media is going to be covering this year. Lots of great Star Wars stuff, possibly Babylon Berlin, if it ever gets to Netflix, possibly the Last Kingdom movie, uh, if it gets finished and out. I think it might get finished this year. I'm not sure if it'll be released or not. And uh, just a ton of other stuff. Nothing that you can't even imagine. Uh, Bubba always finds something to talk about, and him and Catfish tend to do it pretty well, talking about it or at least entertainingly. So you'll want to stay subscribed to that youtube.com slash C slash the word double, the letter P, the word media. And then you'll want to get in contact with all of their socials, the word double, the letters PHQ for Twitter, Hive, and Facebook uh, and Instagram. So facebook.com slash the word double, the letters PHQ. And you'll want to get in contact with me, maybe send me some hate mail. Come on, I, I revel in that stuff. I, I really would like somebody to send me some hate mail. Matt's audioblog at gmail.com, M A T T S audioblog at gmail.com, or you can send a DM to at LilibetPod on Twitter, L I L I bet pod on Twitter. You can leave comments on the website, Matt's audioblog.com. Susan, final thoughts for this series of podcasts. Are you going to come back? I mean, would you, do you really want to be around two old, goats just hacking hacking at each other about charles because that's all we're going to be doing for season six right oh uh, yeah well unfortunately i'm a much older goat than either of you two so <laughs> i'll be happy to come back if you'll have me you're sick to book it and say it's not historically right bubba what do you think it's not historically right i am so glad we got to join in with our listeners and examine these wonderful episodes of season five and i am very much looking forward to season six even if it is going to cover obviously a bit more tragedy for the royal family and listeners we kind of joke a lot but the one thing that is definitely true from our hearts is we thank you guys so much for joining us on this journey and listening and telling us when you disagree and when you agree it's it's a 
fascinating show, fascinating topic, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. See ya.